friend named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, and there are not 12 hours of daylight a man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have they laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. 
Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Mary, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you would always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come We're going to be singing, Lord, you are good. Seconds, we're going, to, we're going to pray. You stand, I'll kneel. Father, you are a gracious and holy God. And Lord, after the scripture that we read of such pain and suffering, I pray, oh God, that we'd be able to sing with great passion that you are good. Even with pain and suffering, even in difficulties, even in marriages that are not working out the way we thought, even... In moments of great despair, O God, we proclaim with a joyous song, You are good. Even with broken hearts, Lord, You are good. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that no matter where we are in our walk with You, no matter where we are in our hearts, I pray, O God, that You, by Your Spirit, would touch every one of us. Lord, those who are hearing this on podcast or in some other area, I pray that you would touch their hearts, that you would speak to their lives, that you would minister in their families, that you would go to the point of their need and be the wonderful Savior that you are. And I pray also that they would open their hearts to receive you. So Father, speak in a powerful way in this place. Use my lips, use these words to draw us to yourself. Use the power of the word to draw us to yourself. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. So glad you're here. This is the last week in our series that we started um, growing up. Uh, I am so glad that you're here. Today, we're going to talk about One more thing that God uses to grow your faith and my faith. And this thing is not something that you would picture or think about. It's not something that you would want or sign up for. But God does, in fact, use it. It's called suffering. 
And this is not something that you and I would want to sign up for. This is not something that you and I would want to uh, 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 participate. When we went through every week of um, this series, we highlighted one thing that God wants you to grow. Now, there's more things that God wants to use to help us grow. But we, can, you know, we, we went about six weeks. And if, you, if you're here for the first time or you haven't been here for a while, let me give you some of what we talked about just to sort of catch you up. In the very first week of the series, we said before God can grow your faith, he needs to give you faith. And so we need Jesus. And so we, we, that was on Easter weekend. And we said we just need Jesus, that we need to receive the resurrected Savior. And that was week one. And then we said, now, after you've settled that question, after you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that there are some things that God wants to do to grow your faith. And believe me, nobody wants your faith to grow like God wants your faith to grow. No, you don't want your faith to grow like Jesus wants your faith to grow. Nobody. God wants to, and he doesn't just want to grow your faith. He wants to grow your faith big. He wants to be explosive. He wants your faith to be huge. And so what God will do is he'll use several different things to grow your faith big. Some of them that you can participate in, some of them that you just need to know about so you don't think that God's mad at you. And so the first one we said let me look back on my notes because it's been a six-week series. Um, uh, the first one we said that God is going to grow our faith big is doing what God tells us to do. We said doing the word. That if we're go- our faith is going to grow big, that when we open up this book, whether it be at church or in your home, that we would do what God wants us to do. That's the first thing, that God can't grow your faith if you're, if you're satisfied with simply listening and not doing. And he wants to grow your faith. The second thing that God would use is friends. Your friends. Man, I don't, you didn't even have to hear this from me. You heard, you heard it from your mom, right? Right, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are, right? We, we, we've all experienced that, right? And this is what we said, and this is so huge. We said that friends will determine your future. And if you don't believe me, if you've ever, if you've ever had a drug problem, if you've ever had a, a, a sexual addiction, if you've ever had a, a bad relationship, if you ever went outside your marriage or did things that you were ashamed about, listen to me, listen to me. You didn't do that in a vacuum. You didn't do that all your own. Nobody starts smoking crack because they just thought it was a good idea, right? You gradually get up to that, and you're always influenced by some friends. Nobody ever winds up in jail as a thought on their own. They're gradually influenced by the friends they're surrounded with. You will, to a great degree, your friends will determine your future. And so you want to hear more about that, you can listen to that on the podcast. The next thing we said that God will use. Now, remember, these are things that God is going to use to grow your faith. Doing the word is something you can do and you can plan and prepare for. Getting the right friends around you and getting the wrong friends uh, behind you is also something you can do. This one you can also do. It's holy habits. You can develop. And what we said is that holy habits, and Jesus doesn't call them holy habits. What he calls them is the acts of righteousness. 
your acts of righteousness. This is what Jesus called, uh, or well, this is what Jesus said, are the normal things that you do habitually so that your faith will grow. There was times in my life where I was so depressed, and I suffer, like I go through depressive moments. I'm, I'm talking about like depressed because like, you know, I'm for an hour or two. I'm talking about for a couple of months where you can't get out of bed, you feel like, you know, and I suffer from that sort of stuff sometimes. And it gets rough with me. And the only thing that sustains me during those moments where I'm down and I don't feel like going to church, you know, I'll tell my wife, I don't want to go to church. She goes, you're the pastor. You've got to go. And I go, all right, I guess I'll go. Um, so, but in moments like that, where I just don't want to go or open up the Bible or read or grow or anything, in moments like that, my holy habits keep me. I know that at this time of the day, I've got to be opening up my Bible. I've got to be reading God's word. But I don't feel it. It doesn't matter. It's a habit. It's a habit. And so we all have habits in our lives. Some of them good. Some of them not so good. Why don't we work on developing holy habits? You want to listen to that? You can get it free on the podcast or you can buy the DVD, uh, the CD, whichever you like. We, we give it away free. But if you're impatient, you can take a CD and do that. Um, we also talked about last week about God will use service. Not someone serving you. You just get big and fat that way. But by you serving others. That if you really want to grow in Christ, he'll use service. And again, that's one that you can really put into your life. And we said, you need to get involved in service at this church. We are, I mean, what we are feeding the homeless. We're clothing the naked. We're, we're giving people who... Uh, uh, who've never had a second chance, a second chance at life. We're, we're training and teaching the way they should. I mean, like, there's a million different opportunities here. But if you don't see the opportunity, because it's not as big a church as some others, you might want to develop one here. You, instead of coming to a church and saying, oh, well, they don't have this. Feed me, feed me, feed me. So I guess I'll go somewhere where they're going to feed me, feed me, feed me. I'll, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll start it myself. And we said serving. God is going to grow you through service. Because when you serve, God stretches you. And he really gets at the heart of why you do kind things. Isn't it true? Husbands, have you ever, have you ever done this? Where you've done something really, really good for your wife. Like, you know, took her on a couple of dates. You bought her a washer and dryer. Then came home that night and was looking for the hero's reward. And um, just didn't happen. And you were like, but I... And you almost had to catch yourself, or if you're, if you're like me, sometimes you let it slip out a couple of times. But I bought the washer and dryer, but I took you out on a date. Shouldn't I have the hero's rule? And uh, yeah, and it, God reveals your heart in service. And so are you doing it for you, or are you doing it for the other? Are you serving for you, or are you serving? But that you would serve, God will grow your faith. Today we're talking about a really sensitive subject, okay? And I'm, I'm just going to tell you, just before we even get to it, I'm letting you know, you're going to have a pushback for me on this. And, you, and you're going to really, some of you are going to not like this message at all because of the implications and what it means. I just beg you that you would listen to the entire sermon and that open your heart to allow God to truly motivate, lead, guide you. Because the final thing, and this one you don't sign up for. This one, you don't 
prepare yourself for. This one is not like holy habits where you can make time for it. This one is not like finding friends where you can receive the friends you want and that are godly, that will grow you in Christ, and remove the friends that will lead you astray and lead you to destruction. This one is not like that. This one is suffering. And this one, we don't pick and choose the time. But for sure, God will use suffering in your life and in my life. And we've seen God use this in other people's lives. Isn't it true that you have people in your life that make you upset, right? Because they're going through so much drama, trauma, danger, and pain. And you're, you're not even going through it, right? You're on the side watching your friends go through it. And you're like, but what about this? And what about that? And you're freaking out over here on the side. And they're going, you know what? Jesus is going to take care of me. And you go, and, and, and you, because you have so, so much more of an appraisal on reality, feel like you need to inform them. But don't you know that if this doesn't happen, and if this doesn't happen, how, you know, this is going to cave in, and this is bad going to happen, and, and you just start doing all that stuff. And they go, no, 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 I, I know that, and I know more. I know, I know things you don't know. And I know that this is painful. But, but, watch this. I trust Jesus. I trust Jesus. I don't trust Jesus to get me. This is what I used to think faith was. And then I went through two years of homelessness and it beat it out of me. It beat it out of me. I thought that faith was, if you just believe enough, despite the circumstances, if you just trust God enough, he'll give you what you want. He'll give you, and, and I'm talking about good godly things, not like, you know, uh, demonic, sinful things. I'm talking about good godly things, that he would give it what you want. And, and, you, and quite frankly, listening to the uh, televangelists on TV, you can't help but believe that if you believe it enough, God will do it. Listen to me. That is an absolute abomination. Untrue. Sometimes some of the most godly people in the world suffer and the only end to their suffering is their death. Sometimes there's such pain that you go through and I don't, you don't, I don't even have to talk you into this. Can I, I mean, sometimes you just go and you just beg God that the marriage would hold out. You just beg God that the children will come back. You just beg God that the pain will end. And the exact opposite happens. And, and, and there's no light at the end of this tunnel. And it's just great suffering and toil and pain and difficulty and tears and sweat and blood and weeping. And you go, God, what's going suffering. God will grow your faith through suffering. Not so that you can get the bigger house, the faster car, the nicer girl, the the handsomer boy. Not so that your kidney will miraculously heal or your liver will somehow get better or the the, the viral load will somehow go to non-detectable. Not so that you stop aging and look beautiful for the rest of your life, have enough money to burn, and drive in the fanciest cars. Not that the marriage will get better, but that suffering, he would use the very thing 
suffering. I want you to jump in to John chapter 11. We're going to look at a story. And this is a tough story to hear. We just heard it. And we're going to kind of unpack it. John chapter 11. Uh, You're going to have to open up your Bibles. We don't have sermon maps today. We're going to have to open up your Bibles. But if you didn't bring your Bible and you're here for the first time, we love you to death and we were thinking of you. So on the screen, you're going to see some words that pop up and you can follow along there because we believe that reading God's word is very, very important. And so we're going to have we're going to have moments where we read this and you're just going to recoil. And I'm not listen. I read your prayer requests. I pray for you every week. I, I, I know some of the pain that you guys are going through. This is not a theoretical sermon for some of you. It's something that you're living through right now. It's a suffering that you're going through. I wish my wife would change and she doesn't change. I wish my kid would ch- and they don't change. I wish my health would get better and it doesn't get better. I wish, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. This is not going to be theory for some of you. This is not going to be theory. Some of you are going to cry bitter tears. And I just want to give you permission. It's okay. And God sees your pain. But we're going to see a category that Jesus put suffering in that you may have never thought of. You might have thought, well, you know, whatever doesn't kill you only grows you stronger. So there's that category of suffering. You might have thought, well, God is going to use this for my benefit because, you know, uh, there's no weapon formed against me that shall prosper. In other words, that God is using this time to give you a better end, right? There might be that category. There might be this category. Well, I sinned, so I need to suffer so that, you know, God can break this desire for me to go back to this sin again. And there might be that category. There's another category we're going to talk about today. It's none of those. And the category is going to blow you away. And honestly, you're just going to, if you're anything like me, you're going to recoil from it. And you're going to go, you know what? I just don't want this category. I'll give you the category now. It's for God's glory. That you and I would suffer for God's glory. And you go, what glory could God get out of this stillborn child? What glory would God get out of me not being able to marry? And listen, I hear you. I, I'm with you. I'm sitting with you. But God says in his word that even in the most terrible suffering and even in the most difficult pain, he can get glory at least In some areas, sometimes God will put you through suffering. God will allow suffering in your life for his glory. And the lesson that I want us to learn today is that we would start asking the question or stop saying, why is God doing this to me? But ask the question, what is God doing in me? Do you see the difference? 
we're going to get away from this demonic sort of everything that's supposed to happen. Everything. My sister said something. Um, uh, we, we had a party, and boy, didn't we have a great party yesterday? Some of you showed up. Yeah, it was so much fun. If you, if you didn't know about the party, it's because we do not have your email. So you need to put it down on the yellow cards. They're in front of you. Write your email down. We, we invited everybody. It was the first time. I've you know, been homeless for like two years and had the first party yesterday. We had a great time. And it was just such a blast, right? But my sister said this to her kid, which I thought was brilliant. He, towards the end of the party, everybody had gone. And my sister had to stay because her husband wasn't going to come back until like 3 in the morning because he was working. And so it, her son said this. Her son said, um, I'm bored. You know when kids do that? Did you want to punch them in the face? No matter how much you love them. I'm bored. Bored. Like after all we did, after all the fun we had, and all that other stuff, I'm bored. So I wanted to punch him in the face. My sister stopped me, and so, it's not true. I was going to punch him in the face. Um, uh, but she goes, "Hey, hey, papito, the world's not made to make you entertained. The world's not made to give you entertainment." I thought that was so wise and such good parent. She goes, hey, papito, the world's not here to give you entertainment. I just thought that that was so wise and so good. And if you listen to 99.9% of church and you listen to the American church, they'll, they'll tell you the exact opposite. Something simple that a kid needs to learn. They'll tell you the exact, no, 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 no. God is here for you. You're not here for God. God's here for you. And it's, he's for your entertainment. Should I dance now? Should I make you laugh? God has to come up and, hey, hey, can I make you feel better? Oh, oh, um, your dog died? I'll get you another one. I'll replace the pain. Oh, you broke up with somebody? I'll get you another guy. That's God's job. When you're poor, he's supposed to give you money. We all know that. God is here for your pleasure. That's what the American church will proclaim. It's disgusting and gross and finds no basis in the Bible. You're here for God's pleasure. And God created you because you give him pleasure. What a different way of looking at the world. But Jesus brings us to this place where he says, there's going to be a kind of suffering that you might not understand. That you might not And when you're in that place, in that place of suffering, I want you to stop asking the entertainment question. Why are you doing this to me, God? And I want you to start asking the biblical question. What are you doing in me, God? What is the work that you're doing in my heart? What idol are you ripping from my life? What are you doing in, not to, in me? We're going to look at the words of Jesus and they're powerful. The Bible reads in John chapter 11. We're going to be jumping around in the chapter because it's just, we just didn't have enough time to unpack the whole chapter. Um, So um, follow me on verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you the, the dynamics of the relationship throughout this, but just understand that there's a guy named Lazarus, and he's sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, 
was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. What John is doing is he's giving context. John is not putting these verses in here by accident. He's inspired by the Spirit of God, and he wants to create relationship. He wants you to understand that these people were not strangers. Jesus knows them. Oh, oh, just in case you forget, in his story, just a couple of chapters before, this is the same woman who poured oil, that broke that alabaster box, and, and poured it on his head, and just dripped down all the way down to his feet. Spent such an extravagant sense of worship. These people knew Jesus. These people loved Jesus. And as we're going to find out in a few minutes, Jesus really loved them. Verse 3. So the sisters, so since they had this relationship with Jesus, so the sisters sent word to Jesus. Makes sense, right? Makes sense. You know Jesus? You call on Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. Stop. That. Do you wonder why they don't say it's Lazarus? You know why? Because Jesus would be able to know just by the description. Oh, it's the one I love? Oh, it's got to be Lazarus. My wife does this thing. She's done it for years. She goes like this. Um, oh, your buddy called today. Now, I have a lot of buddies, okay? Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I have a lot of friends. You know, I, I have really close friends here right now in this service. But when she says, oh, your buddy called, I know she's speaking about Pastor Raymond. I just know. She's been saying that before I was a pastor. Oh, your buddy called. Sometimes it's like, your buddy called. And, you know, sometimes it's, oh, your buddy called, right? Depending on the day. But either way, I know who it is. They go to Jesus, the one you love, the one who you think is the best thing since sliced bread, the one who you care about with all your heart, the one, the one you stay with and talk to and love and relate with, the one who's so close to you, we're going to just call him the one you love. He's sick. And you can understand why they would send a letter like that, a one-sentence letter like that. Every one of us have been right here. Something goes on. What do you do? You call on Jesus. Jesus, help. Please. The one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No. I want everybody to read the rest of this verse for me, starting with no. You ready? One, two, three. No. It is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, are you saying that this guy, Martha... Mary, they're suffering, watching their brother. And this is not, listen to me, this is not like a little sick, got the sniffles. This is, he's been out for four days. 
And he's not woken up not to eat, not to go to the bathroom, not to, not to say hello. He's out. He's really, really sick. This is the intravenous tube going into the bed. This is the tubes going into other places so that you don't urinate on the bed. This is really, really sick. I'm sorry, explain to me again why this is. Oh, it's for God's glory. So that the Son of Man would be glorified. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you, are you saying, Jesus, are you saying that faith is so important that you would allow the suffering of these two sisters, not to mention the suffering of this guy, Lazarus? Are you saying that our faith is more important than circumstances? Than our pleasure, then our happiness? Are you saying that our faith, you think that our faith is more precious than our comfort? It's for my glory so that you would grow in your faith. Verse 5, and just in case you missed the first few verses above, John reiterates what you already know. Verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You see, you, in our theology, oh, well, you must have done something wrong. If you're suffering, if you're going through, oh, Jesus must, you must be on Jesus' bad side. You must have done something bad. No, 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 just in case you missed it. I'm not, I'm not going to go, and I love them. I don't know how to, I mean, have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you just, the most important thing in the world to you is what's going on in the next five minutes and you cry out and you go, Jesus, would you show up? This is no time for boys. Would you come yourself? And he doesn't show. He doesn't show. He loved them. Verse 6. I want us all to read this together. Verse 6. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Did you hear verse 5 and 6? Jesus loved Mary. He loved Martha. He loved Lazarus. And he's not going. He had an affection for them. He had And he's not going. He's not solving the problem. It's not going to make it better. He's staying. Then he said to his disciples, after the two days, this is after the two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there. Jesus answered, actually, let's just jump down to verse um, 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, 
But I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Verse 13. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Verse 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. Look up at me. When you read this part of the Bible, if you're reading it thoughtfully, something in your stomach starts to flip. For our sake, you're glad... What about Martha's sake? What about Mary's sake? They're watching their brother die in front of them. What about Lazarus' sake? Hey, what about the community who's praying? Don't you understand? Martha and Mary have sent word and they've told all their friends that you're going to come through. Everybody's heard that you're a healer. Everybody's heard that you make the sick well. You make the blind see. You make the lame walk. You are a miracle worker. And they've told an all friend, don't you worry. Jesus is going to come through. Jesus is going to come through. My brother's not going to lay on that bed for him. Jesus is going to come through. And they're making fun of him as days go by. Where's your God now? Where's Jesus now? What about Jesus? I thought you said he was going to come through. And Jesus, in the midst of that emotional moment where they're suffering, and Jesus knows he's Jesus. And the ridicule that they must have received, trusting in this Galilean carpenter, what were they thinking? Everybody believing that Jesus is impotent and doesn't want to save And they're just there. And then Jesus says, oh, but for your sake. What do you mean for our sake? Jesus, are you saying that our faith is more important than our comfort? Are you saying that us believing that you are who you say you are? That's more important than our happiness. Everybody knows Jesus. Everybody knows that God wants us happy. Everybody knows that God wants us happy. Isn't it true? No. No, 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 no. There's something more precious than your circumstances. There's something more precious, Jesus would say, than your happiness. There's something more precious than your comfort. There's something more precious than your health. There's something more precious... It's this. It's your faith in Jesus. It's your faith. And at that point you go, you know what, I just, I don't don't know if I want to. Some of you right now, in your heart, isn't it true? Some of you have said this. You know what? I don't believe in a God who allowed, as a matter of fact, it was most of the The reason you didn't come to church for so long, the reason you have a difficulty, you came to church today, but you're not a Christian, you're not following Jesus, and the reason you've stayed away and you've stiff-armed God for so long is because you said, I can't believe a God who would allow suffering in this world. And and that's just in you, and you're just saying, you know what, I, I, I don't, and some of you, 
She said, I just can't believe in a God who would allow suffering. And Jesus goes and says, yeah, we allow suffering. I allow suffering for my glory. Not so that you can get the bigger, faster car later. Not so that you can, uh, uh, you know, somehow for your benefit in, in, the, in, in the world or in the, any of the three categories that we talked about before. But so that God would get glory. Just. You know, at this point, you know what I like to, I heard this from someone else. I thought it was really funny. It says, you know, I don't want to sign up for that kind of glory. You know the kind of glory I want to sign up for? I want to sign up for the Super Bowl Sunday, right? And then make the impossible catch on my helmet, right? Fall to the ground. And then to have the newspaper guys come up to me and the audio guys come up to me and say, how did you do it? And I want to say, well, first I want to just give glory to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior for helping me catch that ball. That's the kind of glory I want to sign up for, right? Right? The kind of glory I want to sign up for is the Grammy Awards. And the winner is Edwin Cologne. Oh, my God. I never thought. Oh, my God. Oh. And then running up and then going, you know, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for helping me make such demonic music. Right? That's the kind of glory I want to sign up for. Right? Don't you? Isn't it true? Right? Right, you're at the you're at the counter, and and the single mom has like two dollars short, and she you know she doesn't know what to bring back, and it's milk or it's bread, and which one do you bring back? And you go into your pocket and you give the two dollars, say it's on me, and then she goes, "Thank you so much." I just want you know what, Jesus loves you. That's the kind of glory I want to sign up for. Suffering? No. That's messy. That's painful. That's difficult. I don't want to sign up for that kind of glory. And Jesus says, good, because I'm not taking signatures. I choose. I choose. For not your glory, not Ed's glory. Jesus says, for my glory. Because your faith is so important that not only would we speak about it for six weeks, but Jesus would say, I'd rather your faith grow through suffering than your faith not grow at all. This is not easy, is it? Isn't it just better to think of a God who just is like a grandfather who's supposed to give us everything that we want and supposed to satisfy all of our needs and supposed to give us the girl that we ask for and the guy that we ask for, the money that we need? And just, no, Jesus said, nah. And I think I'll put it in a a book that'll survive all time so that you don't miss the point. That when you suffer and that when I suffer, the question isn't, God, what are you doing to me? God. What are you trying to grow in me? Because God wants to do it for his glory. Verse 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. The next statement is so powerful, I can hardly stand it. These two words that you see in English, it's called a henna clause. Henna. 
And it means for the purpose of, in Greek, it's, um, uh, you, you know that the Bible was translated, uh, at least the New Testament was translated from Greek uh, into English. That's how we get our English Bibles, right? And it has this thing called a henna clause. And whenever you see a henna clause, whenever you see a so that, not every time in English, but definitely whenever you see a henna clause, it means for the purpose of. For the purpose of. So that the reason behind it is for the purpose of henna clause. So that you may believe. Are you saying that my belief is better than Lazarus' life? Yep. Are you saying that our belief is better than our comfort? Yep. Are you saying that it's more, your, our belief is more precious to you than the things that we go through throughout the day, even if they're very, very painful? Mm-hmm. Jump down to verse 21. Jesus comes up to them, and it's a miracle. He gets there, and he says, and Martha says, Lord, verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You see, Martha thinks that Jesus is doing what we do. You know, when you go to a funeral, what do we say? Don't worry, you'll see him again. We just try to comfort each other to death, don't we? Like we just say, we just say, hey, don't, don't, you know, hey, look on the bright side, you know. You don't, you know, you might be homeless, but at least you don't have to pay any rent, right? Oh, don't worry, they stole your car. Look on the bright side, you got insurance, right? You know, you don't have to worry about the oil change. We're so, we're so consumed. We're trying to be happy and make each other happy. It's American culture. You can't get out of it. It's the air you breathe. Everything is about me. Me, 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 me. Advertisers spend millions of dollars to try to figure out what you want so that they can paint the picture of their product being the thing that'll satisfy your desire, make you happy. And Jesus says, no, no, no. No, no, no. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to give a pithy statement. I'm not trying to just say, don't worry, you'll see him again. Because Martha reaches in her theological uh, uh, handbag and she says this, oh, I know, I'll see, on the last day I'll see him again. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 something more powerful is going to happen. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again on the, in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha is in a tough time because we didn't read this part. You need to go back and read this chapter for yourself because when Martha greets Jesus, she greets him and says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Ever been there? Lord, if you would have been here, why didn't you answer? Why didn't you? You got the power. You got the ability. If you would have been here, 
It's your fault that the kid has gone astray. It's your fault that the marriage fell apart. It's your fault. And Jesus says, no, listen, listen, Martha, don't you believe I'm the resurrection? And sometimes, sadly, our answer is no. I never will understand in a church with a small group that has a marriage ministry, why when marriages go through the toughest time, they stop coming to the small group. I'll never understand that. I'll never understand why with a church and uh, with a men's ministry, the kind that we hit. Listen, on Thursdays, we have over 70 men. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. On Thursdays, we have over 70 men. I'll never understand why when men wrestle with, um, why men wrestle with lust and, and, and things that they just want to, why they don't show up in the time that they're wrestling the most. It's a recovery church. I'll never understand why when people feel like they want to drink or use, why they wouldn't come to church and confess that and just share that. Like, why? I just don't get that. Sometimes our answer to Jesus, don't you believe that I'm the resurrection? No, no. I think that you're the happy God and you haven't fulfilled your obligation and you haven't made me happy enough, so I'm going to go to another God to see if I can get my fix. And we just miss it. Jesus says, no, no, no. I'll use suffering to grow your faith. But she says, and I love this, Yes, Lord, she told him. Listen to me. When she responds this verse, there are tears in her eyes. How do you think she's responding? You think she's just going like, yeah, Lord. Yeah, I know. I believe in you. No, no, no. Let me tell you what she, I'll read it to you and then I'll tell you how her emotions are. Because yours would be too. Yes, Lord, she said, verse 27. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come to save the world. Listen, she's saying with tears streaming down her face, with a broken heart, she's saying, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Messiah, even though you didn't save my brother. Even though the marriage is gone to pieces. Even though the health is not getting better. Even though I wrestle with this addiction day in and day out. Even though she's just, you could see the tears and the emotion. Her brother died. And all of her eggs were in Jesus' basket. And it feels like Jesus just tipped it. Have you ever felt that? Like you just put all your eggs in Jesus' basket and you just took a basket and tipped it over and all of them crashed on the floor and you're like, what are you doing? And Jesus goes, I'm trying to build your faith. I go, I'd rather have my eggs. I'd rather have the girl than the faith, quite frankly. I'd rather have the health than the faith. Thank you very much. I'd rather have the job than the faith. Thanks a lot. I'd rather have the kid than the faith. Thanks. But no thanks. Jesus said, And Martha answers back. She says, tears streaming. Even though my heart is broken and all of my hopes and dreams are shattered, I believe in you. Jump down to verse 33. You know what? Let me just share this with you. You know what the difference is between people who when they suffer, they stick with Jesus and the difference between those people and the other people? I just want to talk to you just sort of 
Just us. You know what the difference is? The difference between those whose faith grows during times of suffering and who grow in Christ and those who absolutely two years later and they're just as bad as, and worse off as they've ever been. You know what the difference is between the two? It's the people that they have around them. They'll either have a group of people going, you're kidding me, God let this happen to you? How could you believe in God like that? Oh, you mean God didn't fix your marriage? You mean God didn't do, you know, like, they'll either have those people around or they'll have the kind of people that say, I'll weep with you. Oh, let's pray together. Let's cry out to God together. I don't have the answers. I mean, goodness, good grief. What could you say? You know, the first funeral I ever did, the first wake, it wasn't a funeral, it was the wake. The first wake I ever did, the box was smaller than the shoes that, the box for the shoes that you buy. And I remember, and I'd never seen anything like that before. It was the first wake I ever did. And I walked in there, and I go, what? I ran to the bathroom. I said, God, what am I going to say to these people? What am I going to say to these people? Don't worry, it'll be all right. Hey, you can have another kid. What do you, what do you do in circumstances? Sometimes the pieces are so broken, they never get put back together again. And sometimes the difference between your faith growing and your faith dying is the people that you have surrounded yourself with. This is why it's so important that we say, come to the Wednesday small group. We say, would you come? Would you, would you just show up? And if you show up a half hour early, you get to pray with a group of people. We go, to the, we go to the front of the room downstairs, and we just get on our knees and we pray. We ask God, help us. Would you, just, it starts at 6.30. You don't have to do this on your own. Because sometimes pain is so great, one-liners don't do it. I mean, sometimes one-liners are okay. Sometimes not so much. And the thing that keeps people in Christ is the people that they surrounded themselves. The worst, of course, are those who have surrounded themselves with no one and have given full audience to Satan. I mean, just sitting down, taking in every word. Where's Jesus now? I don't know. I don't see him. I can't. Let me ask you something. Could God be doing something good in your heart even if you don't understand that? It's easy for us to say yes here. But when we go through it, you need to answer just at, with just as much conviction. Let's race to verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord. They replied, Jesus wailed. This is not Denzel Washington movie screen, tear flowing down the thing, nice shot. This is, I wonder if some of you understand this kind of suffering and pain. And I want you to remember this picture of Jesus. This is wailing, crying, screaming, shaking. Have you ever been like that? Where you just, you, you, your snots are coming out and you don't care and your tears are coming out and you don't care and you're screaming and you don't care. The pain is too great. Jesus wailed. 
Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? I want you to put these two verses together because we do this all the time. See how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Haven't you done that before? Jesus, I know you love me, but you have the power to help my mother. You have the power to heal the disease. You have the power to change the circumstances. Jesus, I know you love me, but what's wrong with you? Didn't you? Were you too busy? Was I not important enough? Was it some sin in my life? No, 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 no. I'm just trying to build your faith. Your faith was in that girl. I had to get rid of her. But I've never wanted to commit suicide more than I want to commit now. I know because your God has gone away. I had to take her away so you could believe in me, Jesus would say. But your faith, but God, how am I going to pay the bill? Yeah, I know, but your faith was in currency. It was in monies. And I had to take that away in order for you to believe in me. Jesus, I'd rather have the money. Yeah, but I'd rather you have the faith. It'll pay off much better in the end. Jesus will use your suffering to grow you. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, again, filled with emotion, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. I love this, this verse. Have you ever tried to tell Jesus things he doesn't know? Have you ever tried to inform Jesus of stuff that he just doesn't know, right? This is what these people have done. Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, 40. I'm sorry, verse 38. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was uh, a cave with a stone laid across it. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by the time there is a, a bad, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Lord, don't you understand? The circumstances are dire. It's terrible. It's awful. If you remove the stone, it'll just smell horrible. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see, let's say these words together, the glory of God. It's not about God making it's not about God performing for you it's not about God making you happy it's not about God making everything better it's not about God kissing your boo-boo away it's about God's glory that life can you let me ask you something can you wrap your minds around the idea that life is bigger than you and that there's more to life than just you And that God will do things in your life that might be great suffering for you, but give him great glory. You know, this is, you know why this is so impossible for me to believe? The reason I struggle so hard with this is because if you really push me in my life, the whole world revolves around me. Honestly. If you didn't wait for me, like if you were supposed to take me on a ride and you didn't wait the 15 minutes that I was late, I'm angry with you. Imagine that, me being 15 minutes late and I'm angry with you. You know why? 
Because the whole world revolves around me. You know, when, a, when I ask you for a favor and you tell me you're busy, you know, I got the audacity to get upset. You know why? Because the whole stinking world revolves around me. You've got to change your plans. You've got to address your thing. I know I'm the only guy here who does this, right? It's, watch this. I think the, and so when God says, listen, sweetie, it's not about you. It's about my glory. We go, oh, no, I want the God who will answer my prayers, give me joy, fix my problems, heal my health, who will do everything that I want. I want the God who serves me, not the one who I serve. And Jesus goes, good luck finding him. He doesn't exist So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, I love this prayer. I love this prayer. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. That they may believe that you sent me. Listen, these verses are in here not for just the people who are standing there. But it's for the people who are sitting here that you understand that sometimes we go through suffering and honestly, sometimes we go through suffering because we're really foolish. And all of our friends told us, listen, this guy is going to rip your heart. I was talking to a, a guy and I just, you know, I saw the person that he was with and I said, oh God, because like this particular person, I just know is going to rip his, like is there, you know, have you ever seen really pretty people who rip your heart to shreds? Right? Have you ever seen, none of y'all have ever seen that, right? Where they go, here, I think I'll, you won't be needing that. Rip your heart out and then throw it on the floor, pour salt on it, and then do like an Irish jig on it. Have you ever seen those people? And I know that this person this guy's with is just one of those guys. And I just said, man, oh man, Ashevitz, it's going to be bad for you, right? So like, I'm not talking about that kind of suffering where your friends come up and raise the red flag and go, dude, this is going to end really badly. Or like, you know, you bought the car you couldn't afford. Now they had to repossess it because you couldn't afford it. Duh, don't buy what you can't afford, right? And you're suffering. Now you got to take the train and it's like real tough and you're suffering. And now you have this black spot on your credit report. And now you're suffering because you can't buy what you need to get and all that other stuff, right? I'm not talking about that suffering. I'm talking about the kind of suffering where you're doing everything right and you go through it. I'm telling you, they say cancer, and you're like, I never smoked a day in my life. And they say, you know, and, and she says, I'm leaving. And you're like, I thought we had a good thing going on here. And he says, I found someone else. And you're like, but I was so faithful. I'm talking about that kind of suffering. When the doctor comes back and says there's no cure, then it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Jesus says, listen, here's a new category for you. It's my glory. And we're going to stop being the infantile, immature children who just say, I'm bored. God, fix my boredom problem. Or I'm, I'm, God, you've got to entertain me. We're going to go from that person and stop asking, God, why are you doing this? We're going to start asking, God, how are you growing? What are you doing to grow in me? And then verse 43, when he said this, Jesus called out to Lazarus, come out. And he did. He did. 
I had a boss one time. And with this boss, he said something that I thought was very powerful. He went out, and we were about on story number 26, right? 26 story of a 33-story building. And he said, Edwin, I need you to come out, and I need you to clean the outside of the windows. And I said, because I'm very obedient, and I always do what I'm asked to do, I said, no. (laughs) Absolutely not. Did nobody teach you about gravity in class? One slip, and good night. I'm talking about, like, you know, I'm not kidding. There's no fire escape. This ain't Brooklyn. This is, this is like, nothing is going to, st- the only thing that's going to break your fall is the pavement, okay? This is bad deal. I said, you know, because I'm a pretty obedient dude. So I said, no, you do that. I ain't doing that. You can't, you don't pay me enough. You kidding me? Like, you know. And so he said, he said, Edwin, here's how I want you to do it. And he got out there and he tied himself like on a rope. And, you know, there was like this little rope that he had and then he tied it to something in the apartment. And then he got out there. And he literally went out there and did with the window what he wanted to have done. And he goes, Edwin, I've been doing this for years. If you, if you do this and you put on this, um, you, you'll be all right. Now listen, if you slip, I don't, I don't know what that feels like when two stories, when that rope catches you. I mean, that guy, I'm thinking that's painful, right? <laughs> and God forbid the couch goes with you, right? And so... That, you know, well, you're dead before the couch hits you, so it doesn't matter. But um, I don't know what that looks like, but what he said has stuck with me forever. He said, and Edwin, by the way, I'll never ask you to do what I haven't done myself. Listen, we have a God in heaven who came and was born in a smelly manger lived a life you should have lived, died a death you deserve to die, and suffered and suffered and suffered lies, ridicule, pain, and even death. And from the cross, our God, who suffered for the glory of God, so that God would be glorified through your benefit, that you would be saved, that you could have intimate relationship, not religion, intimate relationship with Jesus from the cross says, now, sweetie, I'll never ask you to do something that I haven't done myself. Because sometimes when we suffer, God wants to grow our faith. What I want you to do with this message is those of you who are going through suffering now, some of you are not going through suffering. You feel like, you know, this message, you know, it's, it's fine and all that, and it's just, but it's just not where you're at right now. I just want you to listen. This is all I want you to do. One word. Remember. Just remember. That sometimes they're suffering and the wrong question is, God, what are you doing? And God, change this and God. No, no, no. Sometimes, God, what are you doing inside of me? How are you growing my faith? Not what God are you doing to me, but the question changes to what God are you doing in me? For those of you who are in a smooth sailing, you know, your, your life is just peachy king, remember. For those of you who are going through it now, Your spouse is not who you thought they'd be. The doctor said incurable. 
the kid ain't coming back. For those of you, I want you to start praying that prayer. God, I need to see you in this. Just pray that back to God. God, what are you doing in me? I want to say, I can't go, like, I can go through, I don't know about you, but I can go through anything so long as I understand why. Honestly, I can go through anything. Like, I, like I wake up real early in the morning to do this disgusting thing that very few people here dare to do. It's called exercise. And it's awful. I hate it. Who here loves to exercise? Like, I want to, you know, I want to take what you're taking, right? I, I just, like, I don't like it. It's painful and difficult. And I start to sweat and smell. And my wife is not very attracted to me at those moments. And I'm just like, it's not a cool thing. And watch this. You know why? Because I, I live a healthier life. I can, I can go through anything so long as I know why. God is saying, listen, God, would you help me to see you in this What are you doing, not to me, in me? Those of you who are suffering right now, I just want you to pray that prayer. I know, I know that God is, that some of you are here and you're going through a lot of pain. And we're going to close now. But I'm going to ask, and this is not in my notes, I never do this kind of thing. But if you're going through a suffering, if you're going through a pain, I just want you to stand up. I want to pray for you right where you sit. And I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you to stand in a couple of seconds. And I'm just, if you're suffering and you just need prayer, God, help me to see you in this. I'm going to ask you to stand. Now, on the count of three, don't look to your right or left. One, two, three, stand. First thing I want you to recognize. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. First thing I want you to recognize is you're not alone. And I understand, you know, I, I don't, I, I probably have never suffered like you suffer, but I know what it's like to have a mother in ICU. I know what it's like to be homeless. I know what it's like to have a marriage that looks like it's going to fall apart. I know some suffering. I don't know your suffering. I don't know how deeply you suffer. But I want you to know this much is true. Thank God is working in you for his glory to grow your faith. I'm going to ask God to pray for you. Father, I just I just don't even know what to say, Lord. Right here is represented some, some people with illnesses that doctors say cannot be resolved. Others here, marriages are just going through some here are going through the financial crisis like they've never been in before and there's like no hope in sight lord there are others here who the torment of the temptation that they keep going back to just wants just leads them to despair father i ask that you would be with them in a special way that they would not ask what are you doing to me but lord what are you doing in me and father that their prayer would be God, show me yourself in this moment. Father, I do ask that you would be a super and special comforter during this, during this season of suffering in these lives. And Lord, I pray 
that you would draw them to yourself. Not as the world would draw them away from you during this time, but that they would draw closer to you. Father, I also pray that they get around their friends, come on Wednesdays for the small group so they don't have to suffer alone. And that, Father, that they would look around and recognize they're not alone. They're not alone. And beyond those who are standing around them here, you're here. And so, Father, I pray that you would be with them in a special way, that you would touch their heart, and that you would move in a powerful way through and in their lives, and that they would grow closer to you. For I do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, as you, there's a yellow card right in front of you. And on that yellow card, if you've never filled it out, it's, it's in front of every seat. I think you'll see it. It's in front of every seat. I want everybody to take that out. And what I want you to do is this. I want you, if you're here for the first time, I want you to fill out as much as you feel comfortable with. Just fill out as much of your name, your email. I promise we won't solicit you. We just, you know, we just try to help you grow. That's all we do. And, and you know, we, we, again, we clothe the naked, we feed the poor, we help the homeless find places, and we give them homes. And so, you know, we don't solicit people, we, we, we serve. But I want you to fill that out. And on the bottom where it says um, service suggestions, comments, or anything like that, you can put whatever service suggestion you want, like, you know, speaker talk, spoke too long. It doesn't matter. Just be nice. Don't be mean-spirited. Um, uh, but you can write whatever you want, you know. But right there in that place where it says prayer, and you can give us your prayer request. Please don't tell us to pray for the world because we just go, Lord, we, uh, we pray for the world, and then we keep it moving. God wants to build your faith by you going, God, help me with my liver problem. Help me with my child. Help me with my whatever. Be specific so that when you see God working in your heart and in your life, you can give God the glory. Listen, fill out that yellow card as much as you feel comfortable with. And then in that part where it says comments, prayers, uh, service suggestions, and things like that, if you're going to go through suffering by asking, and some of you are doing it now, but if you plan to go through suffering, asking God, God, what are you doing in me? Not God, what are you doing to me, but God, what are you doing in me? If you're going to do that, I just want you to write these two words down. God's glory. If, you're gonna, if you plan on doing that, I just, you know, I'm suffering now. I'm going to, you know what? It's gonna, it's, I'm not going to be self-centered about it. I'm not going to be me-centered about it. I'm going to do it for God's glory. I just want you to Write that down. If you're either going through suffering now or will be, and when, just write that down. And that'll let me know that you're going to live out the word. I appreciate you coming for this series. I look forward to seeing the next series and how just invite your friends. It's going to be an exciting few weeks, and um, we're going to see God grow us. But I love you guys. I mean, I love you guys. And I want you to continue growing in Christ. So continue to pursue him. And listen, grow. Grow. 